Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. be here from the Divine Spirit. Thanks for tuning in as always to either video or listening. I really appreciate your patronage and uh, many of you have been sending me emails letting me know what you think about the show. Uh, one of you sent an email letting me know what you think about me. So uh, it took me back to my days of old as a rabbi when I was a, it was a free-for-all. Whatever you thought, you shared. Well, I can handle it, so send whatever you want my way. Bottom line today, we are talking about a topic that I used to talk about when we, when Ariella, my wife and I started Soul Centered five years ago, we built it around the idea that there's a morning of life, not my idea, Carl Jung, and the afternoon of life. And we sort of let it go only because most of our clients are in the afternoon of life. It almost became assumed in the work that we're doing, now her and healing and me and guidance. And I bring it up now and again, but I wanted to have a podcast about it because I imagine some of you have only heard it in, in passing. Maybe some of you have never heard it. It's such an important concept. So Carl Jung points out what I think all of us intuit, but nobody really has articulated, at least nobody articulated it to me. He wrote, he wrote the following. Wholly unprepared, we embark upon the second half of life. Are there colleges for 40-year-olds which prepare them for the coming life and its demands, as the ordinary colleges introduce our young people to a knowledge of the world and of life? No, there are none. Thoroughly unprepared, we take the step of the afternoon into the afternoon of life. Worse still, we take the step with the false presupposition that our truths and our ideas will serve us as they have hitherto. But we cannot live in the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning for what was great in the morning will be little at evening, and what in the morning was true will at evening have become a lie. Oh, I love it. Carl Jung, not my primary go-to, but certainly a secondary. Um, father of, of course, Jungian psychotherapy, depth psychology, contemporary of my teacher and mentor, Viktor Frankl. Many ways, they're yin and yang. They're very complementary systems. Whereas Frankl calls his height psychology to kind of rise up in a more of a aspirational movement and go forward, Jung was much more of a depth diver, depth psychology into the depths of the shadows um, to unpack the past and that energy. Both are necessary. Jung reminds us that there are really distinct stages in life. Maybe there's more than two, but there are certainly two. It's been true in my experience. Um, he defines them as the crossroads at 40. I think that's true, but I do think that today it's more of like a mid-40s to 50 in my experience. But whenever you get to the afternoon of life, it's like they say about pornography, you know it when you see it. The same is true at the afternoon of life. Now, you know, let's take some of the obvious changes, um, the, the kind people fetch about, right? Uh, marriages start to come undone for many people. The lovelessness just catches up. The kids leave the empty nest, more time on your hands um, that maybe you have thought about things that you haven't given yourself permission to think about for quite some time. 
um, professions grow tired. Maybe you hit mastery and it's not enough. Maybe it's a dead end job. Parents are have died or are starting to die in our lives. Children again are grown and need us certainly less than they did when they were little or in different ways at the very least. Uh, friends move, come, go. Contemporaries die. I mean, my best friend died in our fort in my forties and his forties. So all kinds of monumental life changes. And then there's the, you know, the physical ones. Your body starts changing. No matter how much you exercise, it just doesn't stay off like it did in the twenties, even the thirties. Um, you know, look at me up top. The hair falls out, or certainly, as Dr. Dyer says, falls in and comes out somewhere else. All kinds of changes in our lives. And, and uh, biological changes, chemical changes, you know, women go through menopause, men testosterone dro drops, all kinds of things start happening, falling in, falling apart, falling out. In many ways, though, it's only falling apart if you live by the old rules, if you live by the morning of life. As, as Carl Jung said, what worked in the morning not only doesn't work in the afternoon, it will fail you in the afternoon. I work with clients almost exclusively in the afternoon of life, and especially exclusively if we say 40 onwards. So 40 onwards, we'll just call it that, because I can't work with young whippersnappers. I can, I can help them, I will help them. I won't turn them away, but they tend not to seek me out because I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit intense, I'm a little bit raw, I'm a little bit real. If you don't want to deal with all that the afternoon of life has to offer, plenty of other places to go, but I, believe deeply that we need a place to teach us, to show us, to help guide us what it means to live in the afternoon of life. Do we have colleges for 40, 50, 60 year olds where you can learn this stuff? Yes, we do. It's called the Victor Frankl Meaning Academy. Technically not a college, but certainly a place um, conceived of and built for just this. My practice, the Defiant Spirit Coaching. I work with people on doing this. So what is the difference between the morning and the afternoon of life other than all these ailments that we can sit around and complain about. They're deeper than that. They're much deeper than that. And again, if you make this journey with me, with Carl Jung, with Viktor Frankl, with all these great teachers and thinkers, I don't include myself in that greatness, um, Wayne Dyer is another one, then you will be not only enlightened, your life will be transformed. I can give you testimonials from my friend Barb, from my friend Don, from my uh, friend Nancy, so many people I have talked to been friends with, worked with, have transformed their lives because they no longer are bound by the old rules, the old goals, the old tools. They have discovered their own. They've discovered new ones. Interestingly, everybody discovers similar um, things in the morning of life. I don't think we discovered them. We're taught them, but everybody finds their own way in the afternoon of life. So let's talk about those stock morning of life goals and rules that we all were spoon fed. We were um, led to believe that these were just sort of life's truths. Many of us are still living them. And that's where we need to wake up and to do this kind of work. So this is not an exhaustive list, but it's certainly some of the fundamentals that I see. Um, I also was inspired by a lot of this by Wayne Dyer, who um, I think introduced me to this idea maybe 10, 15 years ago. And he wrote quite a bit about it. But the bottom line is, this is the number one rule. You know it's true. Everybody knows it's true. Now, we don't talk about it. We don't necessarily admit it. But having counseled a thousand people in my lifetime, I don't know a single one who hasn't lived by this, at least in the morning of life. 
who I am is what I have. Think about that. <coughs> Excuse me. Who I am is what I have. No, it's not. You are a spirit. You are a child of God. You are so much more than your material things. We can sit around and pretend like that's how we live our lives. But certainly most of us, at least up until a certain point in life, don't live this way. It's not what our system is geared to teach us. It's not what's rewarded. Who I am is what I have. I remember this from the earliest age. I remember in school, right? I am smart because I have good grades. I am dumb and I was dumb because I didn't have good grades. That's reinforced in 50,000 different ways. Pretend like it's not, you're not living, certainly in the West, living in America. Who I am is what I have. It can be monetarily. My kids tell me all the time, well, you know, who's the richest of the richest kids in their school? And they have a boat and they have three houses and they have a plane and whatever it might be. And <coughs> I can sit here and tell them who we are is not what we have. And they'll look at me like, that's a nice platitude. I don't think they'd say that word. And they would roll their eyes and say, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. Who I am is what I have. All you have to do is look at the people we celebrate in our society, the people who um, who we talk about, who are on the Twitter feeds. These are people who have a lot, at least, at least materially, at least on the outside. Who I am is what I have, not just physical things, not just financial professions. Who I have is what I have um, physically, my body. For me, my body, I was told very early, that if you want a lot, you better have a lot, a lot of muscle and not a lot of fat. I was a fat kid. I was um, certainly chubby, but I would say fat. And I um, got this message that I was worthless. I couldn't get a date. I couldn't get any attention until I was about 16, 17, 18. And I became a bodybuilder. And I told myself, this is power. I am powerful. I was lean. I was mean. I was ripped. Can you see I'm still ripped? I'm not ripped anymore. I was ripped because who I am is what I have. And I thought I was on top of the world. I thought I was all powerful. I was the top of my game. I was weak. We'll talk about that. But it didn't matter because the world around me celebrated me. I remember just getting so much attention over my, my form, my flesh suit, right? My body, because we're told who you are is what you have. We tell people to go so far as to change their bodies right? To cut things off, to add things on. I mean, there's no judgment here. I've gone through it. I get it. But you can imagine how what worked in the morning fails you in the afternoon. Who I am is what I have feeds what's called the false self. And the false self is just that. It's not a lie. Being false is not a lie. It's just not true. It might be a lie, but maybe it's partially true. Maybe it's it's mostly true, but the funny thing about truth is you can't be mostly true. It's either true or it's not true. The false self is built on a shaky foundation. The false self is a bottomless pit. Who I am is what I have, but it's never enough. And we need more. I need to have more. I need to have more, whether it's boyfriends or girlfriends, whether it's money in the bank, whether it's trophies on the shelf, whether it's you know muscle, less body fat, doesn't matter what it is. This is one of the messages the morning of life is encouraging over and over and over again. 
So again, maybe it works in the morning. Certainly we have to go through it. It serves a time and a place, but what worked in the morning will fail you in the afternoon. We'll come back to that probably in the second podcast. But at least for now, let's continue on with another morning of life rule or certainly goal. I mean, this one is like a companion to the first one. Who I am is what I do. Because how do you have if not do? You, you can inherit, you can, you know, win the lottery, you can win the genetic lottery um, and all of that. But even when you do, you still got to work. Well, maybe not, but you should work. I guess I'm getting into the afternoon life. But we are told who I am is what I do. So work, work, work. As Wayne Dyer says, we're not human beings, we're human doings. Everything in our society, now more than ever before in human history, says who you are is what you do. Right? We revere what's called crazy busy. People try and out-busy each other all the time, telling each other how busy they are. No, I'm more busy. No, I'm more busy. We say it in a thousand ways. And we say it with a false sense of disdain, but really there's a sense of pride. We like being busy because we've been told that you know, the more you do, the more you are. How many guys have I counseled who... <laughs> work themselves to the bone, work themselves to even death, telling themselves this is why they are here. Do you know how many people I've counseled who have told me that they do this for their family? All the while, their family is saying, we want more of you. And now it's a two-way street. Men and women do this. Particularly, I see this with the men I counsel. Still doing it. Not that much has changed. Their their spouse, usually their wife, is saying, I don't want as much money. I want more of my husband. Or kids are certainly saying it. Kids would take their parent over money any day of the week. And yet, that's not the message we've been told since we were crawling, walking, talking, running. We, we brag. I used to brag about Maya, my, one of my daughters, who started walking at like nine months. And it was something like a pride. I look back on it and think, maybe she should have just enjoyed, you know, not having to walk, crawling, sitting, being still. She's about as anxious as I am now, running around. She's an Enneagram 8, a doer, a worker bee. I wonder if I encouraged some of that, if I nurtured the doing. I'm sure I did. We all do. We are told, get off the tricycle, get onto the bicycle, get the training wheels off the bicycle, get on the road, do, 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 more, 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 more. As I'm recording this, this is the summer, this time of a vacation for many people. I have seen, and I've done it to myself, <coughs> so many vacations turned into just more doing out on a boat, up in a plane, on an island, in a mountain house. It's just more doing. It just happens to be in a different location. The word vacation means to vacate, to leave, to leave behind the rhythms, the routines of what got us into this burnt out place? Most people I know don't sit still on a beach, meditating, reading, going on quiet walks without AirPods in. Why? Because we are told that is idle time, that is wasted time, that is not productive time. We need to do, do, do. That's what we do, that's what we reward in schools, in work, in our homes, in our life. You don't think it's true? Take a little bit of a stock during the day of how much you do and how much you're rewarded for what you do or don't do. This just feeds the false self because 
you can see where this is going. If who I am is what I have, what happens when I lose it? If who I am is what I do, what happens when I don't do it? And this is why people start to crumble, if not the afternoon of life, certainly the evening of life. Whatever time frame that is for you, you fill in the blank. But at some point, all of us will have less and all of us will do less. That's the way it goes, but not according to the morning of life. We don't think about this in the morning of life. Of course we don't. We don't think about these things because we're so deep in the rat race. Problem with being a rat race, Lily Tomlin said, you're still a rat, even if you win. Okay, let's take a couple more. Excuse me, I'm still getting over this cough. Who I am is what others think of me. I mean, all three of these are intertwined. I have a couple more that really are different. But of course, on the other side of what I have, what people think of me, what I do, what people think of me, how many people are living somebody else's life? What does that mean? I coach so many people who said, if I could go back, I would have filled in the blank. I would have been a teacher, not an accountant. I would have married this person, not that person. I would have moved to Timbuktu, not to wherever it is they live. Why? They say because of other people's expectations, usually quite often parents, but certainly family, cultural, friends, societal, all kinds of expectations. We're living, if we live like that, and we all live like that for a period of time, somebody else's life. There is nothing more tragic in this lifetime than living somebody else's life. Now, every teenager does it, right? They're a caricature of this because they don't know who they are. Their friends don't know who they are. They're all trying to be each other while nobody knows who the hell they are and where they're going. And so there's just this identity cluster, you know what? And it's a time of misery. It's a time of confusion. It's appropriate. They need to try on all of these masks, these personas, that's what a mask is. What's a persona? A personality. They need to wear these different masks to see who they're not. The problem becomes we teach people how to put on the mask and not take it off. We teach people how to be um, certain ways, believing that that's who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's what you do. All of these roles in your life, they're important. Being a mom or a dad or a brother, sister or son or a daughter or friend or cousin or whatever it is, <coughs> they all have their time and place. It's not who you are. It's what you do. It's a role in your life. It's an important role. But we start believing this is who I am. Some of us keep these masks on. I'm heterosexual for my family. When really underneath, I'm actually gay. I'm, um, a, I'm a liberal. When actually underneath, I'm a Republican because I'm afraid to come out of that closet. I'm a, you know, artist, but my family expects me to make a serious income. So I'll be a lawyer, all kind of masks, all kind of personas, all kinds of identities that we live because of what other people think. That is the essence of the false self. Um, who was it? Thoreau or Abraham Lincoln maybe said, um, all of us are born originals, but the shame of life is most of us die copies. We just become copycats. Why? Because of what other people think. Do you know how hard it was for me to walk away from being a rabbi? I had thousands of people with opinions. I had family with opinions. I had friends with opinions. I had um, student loans with opinions. I had a society with opinions. 
no matter how hard I tried for the first five, six years after, people wouldn't let me not be rabbi. Now, I don't care today. I've worked through it. I don't lead with it. You know, it's the Hotel California. You can check out anytime you want. You can never leave. It's part of my identity. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I love it. But there was a period of time when I really struggled with it because of other people's opinions. It took me time to get back to my true self, to take that mask off. And some masks are just um, infused at some point on our face. I see this with doctors. Doctors, especially old school, believe they're the doctor. They believe I am the doctor. You know, the old school wife of a doctor. I'm the wife of a doctor. This is my husband, Dr. Brady, or whatever it is. <coughs> There's a false identity. It's not who you are. It's what you do. That's why so many of these guys in particular fall apart in the afternoon of life when they take the mask off and nobody's calling them because nobody needs the rabbi, nobody needs the doctor, nobody needs the judge, nobody needs to fill in the blank. Morning of life can really screw you if you don't challenge these rules, these assumptions, especially this one, who I am is what others think of me. We're going to revisit all of these through the lens of the afternoon of life. Um, couple more and then we'll wrap up morning of life and next time we'll do the afternoon of life because i'm running out of voice i am separate <coughs> excuse me from everybody i am separate from everyone else this is a deeper one this is a more spiritual one but man you start to see this in the afternoon of life what you thought you know the jocks and the nerds back in the, the greasers and the whatever from the movie grease uh, or um, the outsiders the greasers and the Help me out here. What were the cool, the wealthy kids called? I forget. Socius. Um, those are pronounced back then. We have these false identities and we think we're separate. Um, going back to another high school union very soon. And, um, you know, the, the times I've been reunited with high school friends, it's amazing to me. The jocks are no longer jocks and the nerds are no longer nerds. The nerds usually now run the tech companies and the jocks usually work for them. So, but you start realizing I'm not separate from anybody else. I'm aging like everybody else. I have aches and pains like everybody else. I have hopes and dreams like everybody else. You start, hopefully, getting into the afternoon of life and you stop seeing yourself as separate. But that's the morning of life. Everything is outside of me and I have to go get it. Everything is outside of me and I have to go earn it. Even things like self-worth right? Conflated with net worth, especially in the morning of life. And I'm worthless. I'm worthless if I'm worthless, if I don't make as much. So it's all outside of me. This can happen in the afternoon of life too. I've counseled so many people who believe that their happiness is out there, that if they change their spouse, they change their job, they change their context, they will discover the missing content. They will discover that missing void in their life. So they go looking for it, trying to find it. Sometimes they do it in um, weird spiritual ways. Like I'm going to be the best meditator ever. I'm going to go out and buy the best meditation kit and the best meditation mat. I'm going to hire a meditation teacher and I'm going to master meditation. That's exactly the point. That's a doing. That's a defining by something outside of us. It's in us. True meditation <coughs> you go nowhere. You do nothing. You just simply sit and be present and realize ain't nothing separate from any of us. Another one in the morning of life, I am separate from what's missing in my life. I am separate from what's missing in my life. Again, this is sort of the um, flip side of that, but 
that, again, is outside of me. And the beauty of the afternoon of life, as we'll get to, as you realize it's not outside of me. If it's outside of me, it's never mine. I can't have anything outside of me. I can't own anything outside of me. I'm going to go find love. How are you going to find love? You can't find love. You can simply receive it when it comes into your life. How many people in the morning of life are looking for love in all the wrong places? I'm going to break out into a song. <coughs> Get to that perfect dream guy, that dream gal, and can't receive it. How can you possibly experience something that's not within you? right? It's not possible. You must discover it inside of you, not outside of you. And in order to do that, you must realize nothing is missing. The afternoon of life, as we'll get to, is all about returning to who we are, not becoming somebody else. It's about remembering, right, that we have what we need, not trying to go find it out in the world. And so <coughs> I'll end with the last one before I keel over. The morning of life, we are taught, I am separate from God. Now, this is a big one. I don't care how you define God, but um, we are all in search of God. Now, you can call it meaning. You can call it love. You can call it purpose. You can call it fulfillment. You can call it joy. But somehow, I'm separate from all that. I'm separate from the source. Now, I saw this one as a rabbi. I did this one as a rabbi, right? You need to come to the synagogue you need to join. You need to have the bat mitzvah, the bar mitzvah. You need to come for high holiday services. You need to pray. You need to learn how to read the Torah. You need to fill in the blank. Of course, that's not true. Of course, I didn't pitch it that hard, but I think that's how the system is set up. <coughs> I'm not saying you don't need a synagogue or a church. They can serve a time and a place. However, make no mistake about it. You can go looking for God in a synagogue and not find it, and you can sit in a hospital room by your friend's bedside for days on end and find God just fine right there. God is not separate from. God is not other. You don't have to subscribe to a, any particular subscription. You don't have to do any set of prescriptions. I am separate from God is built into the morning of life, and it is something where we need to fundamentally grapple with, think through, and challenge, and certainly transform in the afternoon of life. So before I pass out, I'm going to wrap up. It's always a good idea to stop before you pass out. Um, and we'll go into the afternoon of life next time. But if you are in the afternoon of life and you are resonating with these ideas, then I encourage you to um, really start exploring your rules for the morning of life, those things that you've inherited that you don't know if they work for you anymore. You don't know if you believe them. You don't know if they ever worked. You don't know if they you ever believed them. Now is your opportunity to rewrite your rules, to live your life, to challenge the false self, the mask that you're wearing. Go to the mirror, right? And just stare at yourself. I call this mirror moments. And ask yourself, right, who are you? Who are you underneath the roles of mom or dad, the roles of brother, sister, the roles of doctor or teacher, the roles of American or Jew or Christian or whatever? <coughs> Dig underneath those masks. I am not telling you to get rid of them, but I am telling you to at least learn how to take them off to live um, what's underneath those masks because you're no good to anybody if that's who you are. 
what happens when those kids leave and you only define yourself as a stay-at-home mom or dad then all of a sudden there's a neediness there's a holding on there's a clinging there's a suffering that is caused as opposed to i'm still a mom my kids are not at home and now it's time for me to also develop some other aspects of myself not to develop masks but to develop pieces of me you are so much more than any one thing you are certainly more than anybody else's rules you are absolutely and unequivocally one of a kind so those rules can't work for you maybe they can work partially for you but that can't be it they can't be yours you must find your own you must write your own rules you must defy the old rules and that's what it means to move from the morning of life to the afternoon of life the afternoon of life can be absolutely exquisite and beautiful and transformative but not if you live by the old goals and the old rules because what worked for us in the morning will fail us in the afternoon and will destroy us come evening so join me in the next podcast and we'll talk about new goals, new rules to transform your morning into the most amazing, beautiful afternoon and evening that you could ever create. Until the next time, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. I'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit DefiantSpirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.